Welcome to Time Out for Anesthesia. In these episodes, you'll hear a variety of experts discuss data, analytics, and strategies that can help you modernize and empower your anesthesia practice. We want this podcast to really benefit you, so if you have any questions or a specific topic you'd like Time Out to discuss, you can email us at timeout at grapheumhealth.com. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Time Out for Anesthesia. I'm your host, David Henderson, and I am here with a special guest today. Super excited to welcome him, uh, Daniel Dura from Graphium Health. Uh, I'm going to call him Danny because uh, that's how I know him. Danny, welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Hey, Dave. Uh, nice to finally be here. <laughs> nice to have you. Um, I think uh, the finally comes with some nuance. I think it's important for me to tell you you've been invited for a long time. That, that's true. No, my, my schedule's <laughs> definitely the, uh, the the difficulty there, but no, I, I know it's awesome. I'm actually really excited to be on this. And, and I know you're uh, a busy man, um, but I really am. I'm I'm super glad we could have you on board. Um, and uh, before we get really into anything graphene related, I want to start with kind of your history. What um, you're not an anesthesiologist. And no. so tell us a little bit about your career that brought you to a point of uh, getting involved with anesthesia technology. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think 10 years ago, well, maybe 15 years ago, if you told me I'd be doing stuff in healthcare, I would have I would have doubted you. Um, you know, I, I started off, actually, I was going to school studying international politics, really had no plan of even getting into the software industry. Um, I, I had done computer programming in high school in the 90s and in the early 90s. And, uh, you know, so I had learned how to program computers and things and always loved it, uh, but went to college for something completely different. And uh, but while I was in college, this was the dot com boom days. I, I got a job offer to go work for Fujitsu and that kind of kicked <laughs> off my career in the software industry. And uh, I've kind of never looked back since I uh, I left Fujitsu um, after a year or two and, and went to a company called Macromedia where I worked on a product called Flash, which um, most people know is that thing that bugged them to download. <laughs> which we, we oh, did yeah. a very good job of that. Um, so I worked on Flash. Affectionate, it's affectionate, I affectionately yeah. remember Flash because <laughs> it was in a time where I needed something to do in school. And yes. it was like behind all of the browser-based games that I could pull up. Yeah, no, it was, and, and it was honestly, it was probably the highlight of my career was working um, on Flash at a time when, I mean, we were having such a huge impact on on just the internet and the development of the internet and video. And, you know, I mean, Flash is really what enabled YouTube and and, and a lot of these other, you know, products. Right. And we were kind of right there in the middle of it. And, uh, you know, it's funny when you're doing those things, you don't realize it at the time, like the impact you're having on people. And, and suddenly you kind of look back and you're like, holy cow, we were I mean, we were doing millions and millions of downloads every day and, and enabling people to create like all these just incredibly cool experiences. And I played a small part in that. And, and it was just, it was a highlight. I got to work with some just incredible people. Um, the people who hired me taught me a lot um, and, and taught me honestly to love, you know, product development and software and, and what you could build and what you could do. And so, you know, that's that developed over many years. We actually ended up being uh, merged with uh, Adobe. Um, so most people will think of Adobe Flash. It was actually Macromedia mm -hmm. Flash originally. Um, and, and and we just had a great time for many years. I ended up being a uh, what they call a platform evangelist. And so my job was to basically 
in a sense, preach the good word of, of Adobe and preach the good word of, of Flash uh, in particular. And so I traveled the world speaking at conferences and uh, doing events. And, and it was just, it was an, it was an absolutely awesome time. But, um, you know, that kind of, that kind of came to an end kind of in the, in the end of the 2000s. And uh, I actually left uh, Adobe, started a consulting firm. And that's kind of where Graphium um, kind of started kicking off. But um I don't know. You want me to tell a little more of that story, David? <laughs> yeah, no, I, as, I mean, I'm, that's obviously my next question is how do you go from one place to another? Tell us the, tell us the story. Yeah, it, it was, you know, we started a consulting firm and that grew up pretty rapidly. And, um, you know, that's actually where we met the wonderful David Henderson is when we were doing <laughs> the consulting firm and, and doing some really cool projects for, um, a lot of very big organizations and a lot were big Fortune 500 companies. And so we have, you know, Neiman Marcus and Procter and Gamble and Northrop Grumman and DFW Airport, which is, you know, where we met you. And, and we were just working on some of the, some of the coolest software projects that frankly I've ever worked on in my life and, um, just building, you know, really interesting solutions to people's problems using, you know, interactive technology and data. Um, you know, we'd use uh, a lot of data warehousing talk technology to solve people's, you know, analytics problems. And while we were doing that, we would always get people that would come up to us and say, Hey, I got this great idea for a product. Right. And, um, you know, and, and many of them were good ideas, probably not, you know, there really would be a hard, you know, they'd have a hard time kind of getting product market fit with some of them. And we'd be like, well, you know, if you want to pay us to build it, we'd be happy to. Um, and that's where we sure. met, you know, Dr. Zavaleta. And, um, you know, we got introduced to him uh, through a mutual contact. And this is back in probably about 2009, 2010. Um, and, uh, you know, we met and, you know, instantly, you know, he kind of described some of the problems that he was seeing in the anesthesia world. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments, I think, in our career where you, you're just skeptical. You know, he, Jeff was kind of telling us, well, you know, they don't have reports. And when they want reports, they have to wait months. And, you know, there's really not a good electronic solution for capturing this data. And they're still using these very kind of archaic systems. And, and frankly, at first, we were like, it can't be that bad. Like, it just, <laughs> it really can't. I mean, we, sure. we're, we were used to working with, like, Procter & Gamble, where, you know, you walk into the boardroom, and, I mean, it's just layered with, you know, thousands of data points, and everything is a data-driven decision. Um, and, you know, Procter & Gamble is very well known for that kind of, you know, way that they run their business. Uh, and so we were coming from that and, and go, you know, looking at hospitals and, and just, we were very skeptical that they were as bad as Jeff was kind of, you know, telling us. Well, that. yeah. Cause if you're like me, the general consumer, you assume it's hospital, right? Yeah. And oh yeah. This is life and death. They have, yeah. And it's important. <laughs> yeah. Know? So when you think, yeah, they probably have the same level of stuff as somebody like Procter and Gamble. Why not? Yeah. And they didn't. And, and that right. was, you know, I remember the first time Jeff took me kind of on a walk around the hospital and kind of introduced me to people. I mean, we were just, no, there's something here. And so that, uh, back in, you know, 2010, we kind of kicked off this uh, thing that we call Graphium today. That's kind of, you know, grown, grown to what it is. So it was, it was a fun, yeah. fun journey. Right. Yeah, no, it's been a journey. How long has that been ago when you were talking, when was the first conversations that you had with Jeff? You know, it was funny because Jeff and I were actually looking at this the other day. We just happened to be going through some old emails and kind of happened to see it. And I think it was in, you know, it was end of 2009, beginning of 2010 when we first met. Um, we started putting together kind of our plans for doing something in 2010, uh, 2011. Um, and at the time we just, we, we ended up just deciding to bootstrap the company and, and, you know, we thought there was a big enough opportunity and, 
uh, me and uh, Randy Barker, who's another one of our business partners, we we kind of brought the kind of business and software side and technology side to it. Um, Jeff and and Sam Kleinman, who's the other partner on the other side, they're both uh, pediatric anesthesiologists, and they kind of brought the the clinical knowledge and the clinical expertise and the informatics uh, expertise. And so it was just kind of this perfect marriage, and uh, it took us about two years to kind of really get to market, to really kind of figure out what we wanted to do, to test it. You know, I remember we were, we, we, we actually went through two versions of the product before, uh, you know, we actually went to market where you know, we built one and kind of learned a lot from it and then built another one and deployed them at, you know, hospitals and, and kind of saw how it was going to be used. And, you know, cause it was obviously really important that this be something that was going to meet that need and that, that providers were going to want, going to want to use. And by 2013, we, uh, you know, got our first clients and, and it's been off to the races ever since. So. That's I first of all I love the story. Um and I think I think how fortuitous it was that those specific minds came together because I think you're a brilliant mind. I also, you know, Dr. Zavaleta has been on the show a lot and uh he just has a brilliant mind, not just a clinically brilliant mind, but his ability to kind of marry the things that um are needed from a clinical perspective with yeah a data and analytics perspective. And for all those minds to come together, I just think is insanely valuable. But what I think you guys have done the best is you've responded to, uh, to specific needs. And what I mean by that is it's, you haven't just said, Hey, these people need like electronic paper. Yeah. Right. It began, it seems like it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it began with no, 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 this area of healthcare needs to improve. Yeah. And the way that you do that is through data. And the way you do that is you collect the right kind of data. Is that no doubt? I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the, the reality is, um, you know, I, I, when I was at Adobe and Macromedia and, and, you know, I spent some time as a product manager, I mean, everything we did was driven by the customer, everything. You know, we, um, there were definitely some times when you'd kind of have to interpret a little bit what a customer is doing and kind of understand, you know, kind of read between the lines of what they were saying. But it all began with that. Are we going to fundamentally meet the need of a customer? Um, and, and whether it was, you know, <laughs> a coffee shop or an airline, or I mean, I did projects with like Walt Disney World Resorts or whatever it was. or a hospital, it's no different, right? You have to look at like who your customer is. And that's, you know, a lot of companies will come out, especially in the healthcare space, and they'll bring one or the other. You got really good tech guys who understand the technology and know how to build a good technical solution. Um, Or you have a doctor, you know, who, who understands the workflow. But having those two together allows us to to step into the shoes of a provider, step into the shoes of an administrator and kind of say, a, you know, what is the real need here? We can kind of read between the lines and, and understand it. But B, what is the best way to build it, right? Because if you can't do right. both, right, you're gonna you're gonna build something that either nobody's gonna want, or something that really doesn't work and isn't right. scalable or isn't maintainable. And so, you know, we we really got lucky, uh, kind of bringing all of us together um, to do this. And and you know, that's I think really what's led to a lot of our success. You know, a lot of people ask us like, well, why don't you do X, Y, and Z? Uh, you know, why don't you build your system this way? Or why don't you build this feature? And it's like, well, we, we have to have a meeting of the minds, right? We have to have the clinical side. We have to have the technical side. We have to have the business side all come together. And, you know, that's why I think, 
you know, we've been as successful as we have, right. And, and, and doing this and, and it's been fun, you know, when you really, yeah. when you have that product market fit, especially in healthcare space, I mean, you're making a big impact on people. You're helping providers who, you know, are not as frustrated with the tools they're using. I mean, that's, that's a big, you know, belief of ours. Like it shouldn't frustrate the providers, um, which in turn is having a huge impact on the experience patients are having. And you, right. you know, that, that's, that's, what's really rewarding about doing it that way. So. Well, and it's neat, I think, now to have arrived, you know, now we're at 10, 11, 12 years after the, yep. in, after just the thought of it to development. And now we're, I mean, now we're in, you know, 500 some odd facilities across the U.S. and things like that. But I'd yep. love for you to, I'd love to find out from you, what changes have you seen in the meantime? I mean, now we're talking about a time when the iPad maybe the first version had just come on the scene kind of, and nobody oh, yeah. really knew what to do with it yet. And, you know, we weren't on the iPad at first, but what other, what big changes come to mind over the last yeah. decade? No healthcare. I mean, it, it's really interesting when, you know, like I said, I started my career kind of in the nineties and, you know, back then um, when I got to a, a Macromedia at the time, we were kind of in this kind of like web 1.0 world, right? It was HTML pages. There really wasn't HTML, you know, web browser based applications, right? That that just wasn't a thing back then. Right. Um, and, and that's not that long ago. I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago. And then, you know, in the early 2000s, we kind of quickly moved into this world where suddenly web-based applications, um, you know, became a big thing. And then into the 2010s where mobile applications became a thing. But again, very early on, even in Grafium's, you know, life, um, hospitals were not interested in cloud-based software solutions at all. Um, you know, they were, they wanted on-prem, they wanted, you know, they wanted solutions that they could put into a server room in their, you know, in their building. And, and frankly, they weren't, there was no support for mobile. Mobile was kind of a new yeah. thing. Well, the cloud itself was still kind of this concept that not everybody was, yep. I mean, if you were really into it, you could understand and be comfortable with, but to somebody like me and the users and the doctors that we were talking to early on, they were like, what do you mean it's in the cloud? I'm not okay with that. <laughs> yeah, no, there were like huge security concerns. In fact, the very first version of the Graphene platform was an on-prem solution. Like it was not cloud-based. And the reason we did that was because most of the hospitals would not have bought it. Right. And so, you know, very quickly though, we, we started pushing people into the cloud. And so we've seen this big transition from, you know, originally it was Windows-based tablets, these, you know, motion computing tablets, which was the only tablet really on the market that would meet the need, and on-prem solutions to a cloud-based mobile, iPad, self-service, you know, kind of solution. And the interesting thing is in other industries, you know, this kind of transition into, you know, using these kinds of products happened a lot earlier. And it took about you know, it took about 10 years, you know, and these are companies that were using SAP and Oracle, and then they moved into using more cloud-based solutions and, you know, quote, what we kind of call in healthcare, these best of breed solutions. Well, now, you know, healthcare is just now kind of having to come to terms with that. And so, you know, while we've definitely seen more acceptance for the cloud, more acceptance for, you know, mobile solutions, that doesn't seem to be a hang up. It's only really in the last few years, two or three years, and, and a lot of this was driven due to COVID, where now they're opening up saying, hey, look, we just need the best solution to meet X need. 
Um, I, I will take whatever's on the market, you know, and I will find it and I will bring that into my hospital. That's, that's really what I think is going to drive kind of what happens over the next five years, right? Because no longer is it, well, we just go to the big guys, you know, we're going to go to the big five and we're going to, you know, buy software from them. Now it's, man, my, you know, I need a telehealth solution tomorrow, right? And I don't have time to implement a, you know, incredibly complex thing. Look, here's a solution. It's HIPAA compliant. Let's get that in tomorrow and start using it so we can create better experiences for our patients. And so that's going to start. It's taken healthcare a little bit longer. You know, healthcare uh-huh. is always lags. They, they lag behind and they take a little longer to do things. But now, especially due to COVID and what's going to happen over the last few years, it's, it's speeding up rapidly. Yeah. Um, and I don't think, you know, we can apologize for that, but I don't think we're surprising any of our, <laughs> any of our listeners no. by saying healthcare kind of, kind of lags behind in these things. And, you know, somewhat to their credit, I think yeah. um, when you're in charge of people's lives, there's, there's something that's going to make you move a little bit more carefully. No doubt. Um, no doubt. And, and, and there's, you know, some of the laws and requirements that come along like HIPAA are sometimes yeah. just a little bit murky, right? Where a HIPAA was established to tell you in a positive way, this is how you can transport information. But what it looked like to everybody else is this is how we restrict you moving information, you know? Yeah. And so yeah, no those doubt. kind of, we've seen some developments over those that I think just kind of bog down some processes. No doubt. You know and, there's, I mean? and, and like you said, I mean, there's, there's a reason for it. There's a reason things move a little slower and, and people had to become comfortable with it, right? The, right. the, the hospital IT departments, the, the clinical staff, you know, everybody had to kind of become comfortable with the idea that we're going to introduce new workflows, new technologies, you know, and, and you don't, again, when somebody's life is in your hands, you don't want to disrupt what they're doing. That right. being said, I think now people are getting more comfortable with ideas like, you know what, this actually can help, right? And and if we do it in a careful way and and we make sure we kind of, you know, are working with vendors who who we can trust, then then you have a lot of opportunity to improve what's happening. And and as we all know, and again, I don't think this is you know shocking to anybody who's listening to this, you know, healthcare. We have a lot to improve, right? Especially in the right. back office and how we operate things and how we create, you know, more affordable care, how we create safer care. You know, we all care about those things. Like even, right. even Grapheme, I mean, sure, we run a business, but we care about enabling, you know, our customers to be better at what they're doing so, so that patients can have better experiences. So patients have more affordable experiences. Um, and so I think, you know, like I said, I think the next five years is going to be really telling. We're, we're really at the beginning of that curve. Um, it's taken us a while to get here. <laughs> you know, we've, sure. we've kind of plugged through it. But, you know, like I said, I mean, we're seeing a lot of uptick in the industry where people are calling us going like, look, we just need to get something in. Um, and, and I've talked to other, you know, startups as well who are seeing the same thing. And it's exciting. It's, it's an exciting time to be, you know, part of that. And, you know, new things are going to yeah. come out of it. Totally agree. And I would just, I guess my, my final kind of challenge question for you then would be, okay, so now we're doing this uptick over the next five years. People have gotten more comfortable with shopping for technology and finding the right solution, not just with the big players, but realizing there's kind of a bigger market. What in your mind is going to be, what, what in your mind are going to be the differentiators? Um, what's going to rise, what's yeah. going to make different vendors rise to the top in this kind of next five year uptick? Well, I, you know, I think it's, it, it always comes down to the simple things, right? It's how responsive is the vendor to the client, 
right? I mean, how are they really listening to the client? And and that's something that's sometimes hard to do because a lot of times you'll find vendors who will come in. And I, I see this even when we're trying to, you know, pull vendors into our business. You know, they try to come in and they want to just tell you that they have the perfect solution for everything. But there's a certain level of transparency and honesty that has to exist because given the proliferation of different solutions, I mean, if you look at, Let's take a look at like what's happened in the marketing and sales world, right? I mean, there are literally, you know, thousands and thousands of different solutions. Why? I mean, they're all, a lot of them are very successful. Why do they all exist? Well, it's because certain solutions fit certain, certain needs in a different way, right? And depending on your business, you can find one that fits what you're doing. But what that requires is a certain level of trust between the vendor and the customer to say, look, here's what we're good at and here's what we're not good at. And, you know, I'm, I'm, the vendor is going to challenge you on what do you really need, right? And, and then the, the customer is going to challenge the vendor. Like, hey, I, I really need this. I do. Here's my use case for this. But the most important thing is that that dialogue exists between the vendor and, and the customer so that they can find the right solution. And sometimes, I mean, we've done this with some customers. Well, we literally just tell them, like, this, this isn't the right solution for you. Right. You, you need something different. You know, maybe you should use that thing that's on site already. Um, whereas other times, you know, they'll come to us and say, we really think we need this feature. And we challenge them a little on it. We say, well, look, we don't have that feature. You know, that's something that we've decided is not on our roadmap right now. Let's talk about why you think you need that. And maybe I can challenge that a little bit. And it's not because I think you've done anything wrong with your business. <laughs> it's not because I think, you know, there's, there's something wrong there, but it's because, um, you know, I want to make sure that if we are going to do work together, we, we, we melt. Like there's, there is a meeting of the minds on what we can help with and what we can't. And if you keep extremely focused on what is the primary thing that you're trying to solve and that vendor meets that, then don't hesitate, you know, and that, and that's, that's the one thing I think a lot of times we see in healthcare is people will hesitate because, you know, they, they want to kind of hold back. It's like, don't hesitate, you know, find a vendor who's willing to work with you. Maybe they're willing to, you know, give you an opt out, you know, if it doesn't work out the way you think it is, you know, always, always be wary of the, you know, four year contracts. That's <laughs> in <laughs> right. this kind of industry that just isn't necessary. Let's talk about getting you a solution that's going to meet your need. If it doesn't meet your need, let's give you an ejection handle so that you can get out safely and find the thing that you do. And so, right. Yeah, really good call. Um, and I think that that I think that that last piece that you just spoke to speaks to the expectation of the consumer right now, anyway. Right? Yeah. Almost everything I have on my phone right now, if I'm paying for it, I'm paying four dollars and ninety nine cents a month. And yeah. if I want to get out of it, I just cancel my subscription. Yeah. Right? And it's become part of what I expect yeah. when I'm looking at these things. And when we talk about kind of healthcare systems lagging behind. I've, a lot of times you're going to be missing you're going to be missing that piece when it's come to be what you expect everywhere else in life. Hundred percent, yeah, and I agree, hundred percent. And it's it's one of those things. I think we we get fooled into kind of believing a little bit that there that that these things have to be complex and therefore right. they have to come with like very oppressive terms or they have to, it's like, that doesn't have to be right? right. I mean, you know, there are companies out there, you can go sign up for, you know, a salesforce.com account. You can go sign up for something and you're not necessarily going to be locked in. Right. It's like, let's, let's figure out the vendors basically saying, let me try to earn your business. Right. right. Let me try to prove to you that we can help you. And if we can't, 
what you know what does it benefit me to have a customer who who's frustrated with the experience they're having you know right. they, it's my job as the vendor to earn your trust to make sure that you're getting what you need out of the platform um you know sometimes i think it's 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 funny you know we'll we'll call up customers and and you know tell them flat out like hey you're not getting what you need out of this platform right now right now right. let us help you let us show you but it's one of those things where it's it's incumbent upon us, and, and you know I kind of say this to other you know startup founders too. It's it's incumbent on us to earn their business, right? We have we have no right to their money, right? That we have right. no right to to their business. Um, we have to earn it, and you know you have to work really hard. That means understanding their needs. You know we have, we have a big belief inside Graphium that you know we're we're knowledgeable and and. That's kind of one of our core, you know, values. And that knowledge is not just about, you know, how to build software. You know, it's not about, you know, how to run a marketing campaign. It's about being knowledgeable about our customers' businesses. You know, it doesn't matter if you're the lowest level software engineer, you need to understand anesthesia. Go spend a day with an anesthesiologist. Go understand what their day's like, the, their frustrations, their desires. And and if we do that, again, we'll be able to connect with them. We'll earn their trust. We'll earn their business. That that's that's how you that's how you build a successful business. Yeah, totally right, Danny. Um, man, it has been it's been awesome having you on the show. You always have the best things to say, um, and I I'm so glad you could make it. Um, I hope you'll come on for another episode soon. Anytime. You, you know I'm here. You say that. <laughs> I'll hold you to it. You just Get on it. my calendar. That's, that's <laughs> the key. That's the key. That's right. Well, thank you again, Danny. Thank you so much, um, everybody. I hope you enjoyed your time. Um, and we will catch you guys next time on next week's episode of Time Out for Anesthesia. Take care.